0: for the capital call money, which you could invest in a new syndication if you wanted to, right? Like that hundred grand, let's say, like, I'm just to give an example, like you invested 500 grand. Um, and let's say, um, sadly speaking, by the way, Whitney, I mean, this is probably more the more often the case than it's not. Um, people call me not being sure what a capital call is.
1: is your daily real estate syndication show i'm your host whitney Sewell. we are back again with our guest today alexa chernobinski and you know he uh, he was previously ran store capitals uh 10 billion dollar portfolio uh yeah i mean he oversaw the firm's underwriting team and uh, I mean, just uh, he, he's advising LP now's, uh, now and GPs uh, on uh, a number of things, uh, but uh, just a wealth of information. We're going to continue the conversation today, and we're going to uh, be hyper-focused on capital calls. And he's advising lots of GPs and LPs in this matter right now. Unfortunately, it is something that is is happening, and and it's it, you're going to be better prepared, no doubt about it, whether you're GP or LP, by listening to the questions that he he has you ask, right? Things to think through as you you are approaching this uh, unfortunate topic. Alexa, welcome back to the show. Honored to continue the conversation with you. And you know, I know in yesterday's segment I learned a lot. I know the listeners did as well. Uh, you know, if you did not hear yesterday's segment, I encourage you to go back. Uh, and listen to uh, Alexa talk through uh, a number of things. Uh, if you're an LP, even if you're a GP, you need to be aware of the things he talked through yesterday in great detail. Uh, and and so grateful to continue continue the conversation, Alexa. Uh, right, let's dive back in.
0: Awesome. So so glad to be back.
1: Uh, well, Alexa, you know you mentioned in yesterday's segment that uh, you know you're advising a number of LPs, right? But uh, a lot around capital calls right now. Uh, and I know there's many listeners who have questions about that. They've received that call that they were hoping not to ever receive, right? Or they may not have even known it was a thing, right? You know, I mean, really, they may not have yeah. even thought that was ever an option. And all of a sudden, they're getting a call from uh, the operator they partnered with. Uh, you know, that's that's needing some capital, right? Uh, and so I, I uh, and they don't know how to how to assess that, right? Should I do this? Should I not? What does this mean? Uh, and I'd love to. Uh, give you a minute to, you know, even walk through some of those things or some of the questions. Yeah. I know you, you know, you're having LPs ask you and how to assess. Should I, should I put my money, more money in, or should I not? And let's talk through that a little bit.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I guess first I'll just define uh, capital calls because I think there's some confusion. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something that I would call an expected capital call and an unexpected capital call. Um, an expected one is typically as a result of like investing in a fund, for example, or maybe a construction project where at the outset you and the GP had an agreement that you know they'll they'll pull on I don't know a quarter of your principal uh, every quarter for a year or, or whatever it may be um, or, or as necessary. So if 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 a GP reaches out to you in that case, um, other than sort of understanding what's happening, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and and the economic landscape and the viability of the deal, which I always recommend, uh, those are of particular concern and and, and those are not uh, generally what's being discussed in the marketplace today. Um, uh, What I spend a lot more time talking about, uh, both publicly on my Substack and and also just receiving calls from clients, is uh, the unexpected ones. In other words, uh, you bought into uh, a transaction, um, you, you and the GP, hopefully, uh, both had the intent that the deal was fully capitalized day one. In other words, no more capital would be needed. Um, to your point, many LPs did not even understand that getting more capital was a thing, right? Because it was just so obvious that, you know, we, we bought the property, like, well, why would you need more capital? So, so now fast forwarding to today, obviously the past two years have been, um, pretty challenging for the real estate markets. And, and as a result, um, a lot of LPs are getting capital calls. Um, um, I, I think what I would recommend from a decision perspective, um, is first, just, I would always say, just take a step back and, and realize that what's in front of you is an investment opportunity. Like this is not an emotional thing. Um, this is an investment and you can either decide to invest or not. And and that sounds silly in a sense, but I can't tell you how many times I get calls from LPs almost freaking out because if they don't invest, they're going to get diluted. Um, If they don't invest, maybe the thing is going to end up in foreclosure. You sort of have a lot of different communication styles from GPs ranging from very transparent and honest um, and well communicated, right, uh, early, all the way to, like, complete surprise, um, like, you know, we're going to lose the property in a few days if you don't send the money now, uh, we don't even have a plan, <laughs> like, I, I've seen everything, uh, and and some of it is healthy, a lot of it, I would say, is pretty not healthy, and not enough information to make um, capital calls with, so, so just, again, uh, know that it's an investment decision, know that just like, um, at the outset when you were able to ask questions to the GP. So similarly here, like there's nothing stopping you uh, from doing diligence and asking questions to the GP, right? Uh, that's the first thing I would say as, as a broad strokes. And, and if you sort of want to go through the typical steps that I go through, I can, I'm happy to do that too.
1: Yeah, uh, nothing stops you from asking questions. I, I think it's uh, it's it's great to just pause and take a breath right? Like you said, take a step back. I appreciated that stance. Uh, And even uh, I've not heard anybody say it like that, you know, realize that uh, what you have in front of you is an opportunity or investment opportunity, right? You can invest or not, right? Uh, And try to assess, uh, is this still a worthy investment to move forward with or not? Uh, I would, I would love for you to elaborate a little bit or us dive into some of those questions, because there may be a time you do want to continue.
0: Yeah, exactly. So so typically the the steps that I go through are they're pretty simple. Um and and you'd be surprised at like how quickly things weed out for many people. Um the first one might surprise you is like, do you actually have the money liquid? Um I've I've heard people like they wanted to pull on their 401k, uh, which would be sort of like uh that would be needed to paid back. Uh, with 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 interest. If they did that, um, I've heard people wanting to sort of like borrow borrow from an uncle or mom or whatever, um, and and all of that is is I'm not saying that's good or bad. It just further complicates uh, the equation. In you know, in other words, if you have the money sitting in your bank account, and and you don't need it per se for any emergency, th- that is sort of like step one. And and many people don't even pass that stage. Um, so that's, that's, I think it's a, it's a kind of a silly place to start, but it's also like a really important place to start. Um, um, the, the next thing is I would say, you know, like you you have to understand legally what happens if you don't invest. Um, in other words, um, what is the cost to you, so to speak, um, for not investing? And, and this differs across GPs. I think some GPs are uh what I would call um um I, I guess you can say like more favorable to LPs and they say look like we kind of messed up here um we're not going to dilute you if you don't invest but if you do invest like here's kind of like the, the upside that you can participate in. Um so that way you know that if you don't invest, the worst case scenario is you just get diluted by the new investors, but not penalized for not investing. Um, And and those two things are very different. Like, you're obviously going to get diluted by new equity, right? Because if you don't contribute, like, your shares will naturally get diluted. Um, but, But that is very different than getting diluted because you didn't contribute to that new investment. Those are two separate things. And it's important to just simply understand, legally speaking, what will happen if you don't invest. And, again, you'd be surprised how many sort of like capital call emails I've seen, honestly, it's probably more than 50% um, where the GP emails the LP, of course it's, you know, sort of like a um, a mail merge across all the LPs. Um, Many times this is like big funds that I think should know better, but, but they just don't state what happens like in either direction, Um, whether it's, Good, so to speak, and you don't get diluted if you don't invest uh, or or bad, and like you really get penalized. and And oftentimes the the legal agreements are actually not super clear on these matters. um so it's it's really important to get clarity there. Um, I guess let me let me stop there. Uh, before I continue, I have a few others, but any questions? Yeah, no, I, I love your stance
1: on it too. I mean, like I said, you know, you're taking a step back, but then thinking through these things, you know, uh, uh, and it's interesting, you know, you talk about something as simple as, well, do you have the money to invest? And, and you also mentioned, I like this, uh, and if you do have it liquid, are you, are, are you sure you don't need it yourself? Yeah. Right. You know, is it, yeah. is it ready to just employ, deploy somewhere? Uh, cause if, if not, then it's, of a pointless conversation right yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah, exactly and at that point like it i mean it's perhaps painful to realize that but it's like um if if you if you need the cash for something else or or you don't have it like i mean there's just no decision to make um and and you sort of like take yourself out of that decision um um yeah okay so so i once you realize uh or i should say understand what the implications are Um, to not investing the the next step I would say is just understanding where your existing position sits. Um, Like to put it simply, let's say you invested 500 grand. Uh, Do you still have 500 grand? Do you have 700 grand in there or a million because like the property is worth a lot more or perhaps do you have nothing? Um, And and this is a whole article that I wrote at length about, um, uh, which deal, uh, 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 the article, I think it's called, um, Do Sunk Costs Matter in Capital Calls? Because there's sort of like this, um, I think, dishonest connection between the, the last investment um, and and the new investment, the capital call, sort of marginal capital. Um, in that you almost want to just forget the last stuff and say, oh, that's a sunk cost. I'm just going to ignore it. Um, I'm just going to focus on in whether I want to invest today or not. But the reality is, I, I think as far as capital goals go, it is true that it's a sunk cost. You can't get the money back. But uh, these things are actually extremely connected. Um, and, and knowing where your original position stands and sort of like, how you can get that money out and the business plan for that um should have very direct consequences on your plans on returns uh for for the for the capital call money which you could invest in a new syndication if you wanted to right like that hundred grand let's say like i'm just to give an example like you invested 500 grand um and let's say um sadly speaking by the way whitney i mean this is probably more the more often the case than it's not um people call me not being sure what a capital call is um in the middle of that conversation as i as i do as i help them with diligence um it becomes apparent that the the 500 grand that they invested is gone like it, it, it's not officially gone right because the property hasn't sort of marked to market and sold um but in terms of the equity worth um Based on sort of like a realistic um, outcome or outcomes, you can even sort of like do a sensitivity analysis, whatever, like it, it's essentially gone, right? So so at that point you have to think that you know, um, I they want another hundred grand relative to my original five hundred grand. that hundred grand I can put into treasuries today and make four percent or four or five or whatever. Um, I can sort of invest it in the stock market. I can invest it into alternatives such as syndications. Um, And that is a totally new bet, uh, new GP potentially. Um, and, And perhaps that's a good investment. So what is going to convince me, and this is important, like you should be convinced just like you were convinced with the original deal, you should be convinced that doing the capital call is a good idea. And so what is going to convince me that the hundred K is going to earn more by reinvesting it back into this property compared to investing it elsewhere. Right. Um, and, and the original status of, of that position is, is pretty important in, in, in that analysis, because, um, I I don't know if I want to get into the weeds, this might take a long time, but for, for anyone that wants to sort of see this live in a model, again, I would recommend the, the article that I wrote um, specifically on this, uh, which is do sunk costs matter in capital calls? There's like a literal model that I go through to explain how these things are are related. Um, and um, look, and the, the, the last thing I would say is just, um, how do you know, and this is like probably missed at least 50% of the time. Like, are you sure that this is the last capital call? I mean, in other words, I can't I can't tell you how many times um, GPs will sort of like uh, freak out and look, look, I I, I want to be sensitive, like it's scary to be a GP in difficult times. It's like that's that's probably another episode in its own right, because I've seen it from the inside and like um, it, it, you know, you sort of like sometimes a GP will react to a piece of news. Like, you know, like we can't pay debt service next month. Oh, no. Okay. We need to issue a capital call. Okay. Um, But then from an LP perspective, like all of that is understandable, but from your perspective, you need to know, like, is there a plan to ensure that we're not going to need another one? Right. And that another one might be because in six months, the rate cap expires, um or in six in six months we're going to have some other issues or if there's a refinance and instead of a cash out refinance it's going to be a cash in refinance which is another topic that I think L P investors are sort of like um learning slowly so so yeah uh, let me um, i know i kind of said a lot but like no, th- those are good, generally but- the steps that i go through
1: I I love the questions that you're asking, and and I think every LP needs to needs to know these questions, uh, especially in what you know in our economy right now, as many of these are happening uh, unfortunately across the industry. And but it's interesting you talk about you know has your investment gone up or down, right? What is the where wh- what is your position uh, currently? And and I think it's a uh, i i w- i would think that most assume that it is gone, right? More times than not. Or w- when would the, when would you see the position? Um, you know uh favorably right they invested the mm-hmm. 500k but uh you know there's a capital call and their current position is 800 you know
0: or uh 700 yeah, or... I, I think there are actually quite a bit of examples like that i i do think it's the minority um but i'll just give you an example um a, a developer is developing a brand new apartment building um you know they're two years in and they're like just a little bit over on cost so they're like 90 percent done Almost done, um, but it's a phenomenal area. The apartment, so to speak, from a valuation perspective, is well in the money, um, and they just need sort of like the ten percent. Maybe half of it will come from construction loans, right, uh, from the existing. But but like the the lender didn't want to put up the the entire percentage because of over you know uh, going over budget, and so there's like a tiny capital call to get them to the end, um, but like. As as far as the business plan goes and the overall valuation, things are more or less... I mean, they've, they've probably got impacted in the past two years, so it might not be, you know, the 2.5x multiple you expected. It might be a 1.5, but, like, you're probably in the money still, right? Um, whereas what what's what's happening a lot of times now is, like, uh, to your point, I, I think probably the majority of the calls I get, and, and that might be there might be some bias there in terms of you know people calling me for certain reasons, but certainly the majority of people that call do have their wipe well, either wiped out equity or or it's like at least um you know let's say fifty percent impaired.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's interesting. I just wondered, uh, or if you see any, that's uh, a great example though. A development type project, so obviously there's no cash flow, <laughs> right? Uh, You know, and they may still they may have had more expenses than they expected or something like that. But I wondered if you see that at all in a typical value add deal or some kind of, you know, already uh, a construct, you know, uh, something that's not a construction type project. Yep. Exactly. And uh, let's see, you said, uh, yeah. And is this the last capital call? A great point as well uh, in thinking through, uh, you know, anything there that would, uh, help you to deter- determine that uh you know because i think that that could be hard to determine for most lps right they're not going to be as sophisticated as you at, at underwriting to um, think through well you know how would i know you know if this is going to be the last capital call or not
0: i mean the, the first thing i would say is just ask the gp and and as always don't ask them in a yes or no way that that's a whole kind of topic that i i, I wrote an, another article called um 26 questions to ask GP. Um, the introduction to the article um, it sounds funny, but it's like how do you ask questions? Um, and the way to not ask questions is yes, <laughs> something that can have like a, a very minimal information as far as the the, the answer. Um, so the way not to ask the question is, do you think this is the only capital call we'll need um, or or even worse, do you think this capital call will be enough like enough for what right um and and or in other words perhaps a better way of asking the same question would be um hey you know i i appreciate all the information blah blah, blah. um i noticed in the deck i'm just making this up but like i noticed in the deck that the the uses uh in other words what the capital will be used for um, is for cash flow constraints today. In other words, like operationally, the, the property is sort of underwater um, because let's say, you know, they're in the middle of rehabbing the units and they're not cash flowing enough. Um, but I also noticed in, in, you know, on another slide, you mentioned that we have a capital call coming due. I'm sorry, um, uh, a rate cap coming due um, at the end of next year. So wh- what is your plan on the capital call? Or or we have a maturity coming due, a debt maturity. So like wh- what is your plan on the refinance? Um unfortunately these questions aren't so simple. You know, Whitney, I I, I think it it does require a certain um, um I mean uh, one is just experience, but 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 two is um just being um thoughtful and and um yeah, I, I yeah. guess you know just be, be, being like really thoughtful and thorough um and and I think I'm hoping you were thorough at the outset, right?? right. And my bigger point is you should be just as thorough. Or maybe more thorough, I would argue, at, at the point of a capital call, because at that point, um, I, I, I'm like I'm not here to point fingers. Like there's a market change that happened, right? But at the end of the day, like something not good happened, and the same person that was a steward of that capital is now asking you for money. So sort of like the level of knowledge that got you to invest the first time should be. Not enough to get you to invest again, yeah. Right, like you, you now have new information um, th- that I think should require you to sort of like um, inquire more and understand more. Like you need to you need to re-underwrite the deal, the
1: opportunity again,
0: all over. Yeah, yeah. And look, I, I think that's sort of somewhat unrealistic for like an average LP, but but I would say at least again at least understand the catalysts right? And and understand what could go wrong.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Alexa, we got to jump to a few final questions. I, I feel like you have added a, a ton of value to the investors listening, uh, and hopefully they don't get that call, right, for capital. But however, yeah, if they do, they're going to they're gonna be better prepared now uh, because of, man, just the last 20 minutes, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, Alexa, I get asked this all the time, and, and, and I would love your thoughts. I know the listeners would on and what do you expect to happen right over the next six, 12, 18 months? Uh, and how's that informing the, you know, the decisions or the investment decisions that you're making now?
0: Yeah. Um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a sort of a two pronged response. Um, first, um, I, I think a GP should follow the capital markets, right? Um, and and be informed and, and to some extent have an opinion right? But I think they should be strong opinions loosely held. Um, in other words, the the, the fanciest and, and most um, educated economists in the world um, couldn't have predicted what happened. Um, they still don't know what's going to happen next year. And so if, if you're sitting as an LP thinking about the future and, and in front of you is a GP that is not only convicted about a macro move, but convicted enough to base their entire deal based on that macro move, such as cap rate compression. Let's say, um, I would be pretty wary. You know, in, in other words, uh, th- th- this is um, I don't know, perhaps a little <laughs> a little raw, but like it, it, you know, if you if you're so certain about. Rate moves. I think you'd make more money, in, you know, trading rates instead of buying real estate, which is which is like in a very indirect way of trading rates. You know what I'm saying? So just go trade them directly. Um, and and if if you're not that certain, so make sure that you have a sensitivity table showing investors well, what would happen if you're wrong. And and you know, uh, as I always say, it's you can assume whatever you want as long as you show investors what happens if that doesn't happen. Right. Um. You know, if, if you're transparent about the sensitivities of your, let's say, somewhat aggressive assumptions, there's no problem with that. And, and if an LP looks at that and says, hey, listen, like, I tend to agree that, like, you know, let's say there's going to be four cuts next year and this is how it's going to impact exit cap rates. And like, if that happens, I'm going to three X my money. If it doesn't happen. I'm still going to do 1.5 based on the sensitivity table that I'm comfortable with. Blah blah blah, and that's good. Like I'm comfortable with that. That's great. Like, but but then at least you gave the um, L P the information um, to make that decision. So so that was the first comment. the The, the second thing is, you know, what's going to happen um, in terms of existing deals. Um, I mean, I'll just be candid. I I don't I, I don't think it's going to be great. I think there's a lot to work through in 2024. Um, In particular, um, I I, I think a ton of rate caps are expiring. Um, A lot of maturities are coming due. Um, I to be clear, like I I, this is not a blanket statement across all of real estate. I'm just saying, as far as like retail money, uh, which is what I sort of um, that, that tends to be my clientele. As far as retail money that is sitting in existing syndications, um, I mean, I, I just got back from New York, um, met with a lot of people, and one of the things that I wrote um, uh, to to you know to to the Substack list of of people that I write to is like, if if you don't know where your LP positions sit at today, you really should. Um, in, in other words. You might not be able to do something with that information, but, this, but the small probability of you being able to influence the GP to make a certain decision or think about something new that they might might have not thought about um, is, I, I think, worth the time um, because, you know, information is in some sense power. I, I think it's limited, right? Because at the end of the day, NLP can't make the decisions, but, but. Coming to realization of where your LP positions sit um is is pretty important because you just you don't want to be surprised. What's your
1: best advice for passive investors right now in just a few sentences?
0: I, I, I don't know if it's um particular to now. I, I think it's the same advice as always. Like I I'm I'm very independent of any like uh, I don't know, GP or real estate in general, I, I think many people, I, I'll just say this very candidly, I think many people who invested in syndications shouldn't have like they weren't in a financial position to do that Um, um many people who are not investing in syndications I think should um, and 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 I think a lot of that depends on sort of your risk tolerance, your overall net worth, right, and so I mean, just get educated. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I, I think um, many, sometimes I'll get calls from LPs and they're like, hey, I, I just had an exit. I have 5 million to place. Like, can you tell me where to put it? And and first they say no. Um, and then they're like, okay, but like, can you send me, you know, like someone you trust? Um, and I say no. Like, and they're like, okay, but like, I don't have a lot of time. And I'll say, I, I just immediately say, if you don't have a lot of time, if or you don't have any time, I just recommend not investing in, in syndications. Like it, it takes time to vet these things, even if you know someone. And knowing someone is a whole other topic, which is you know number two on on my um, top fifteen list. You know, I, I think people tend to overweight what they think are relationships, but they're they're more like acquaintances.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. <laughs> Uh, and that's a whole nother topic as well, right? But uh, what would you say? Uh, uh, you know, are some habits, uh, Alexa, that you're disciplined about that have produced the highest return for you?
0: Um, I mean, I, I'm 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 sort of just big on relationships. Uh, personally, um, I I was sort of the opposite um, in college. I I got four majors, um, and the idea there because was. Let me just get a bunch of education. I'll get the best job. I graduated and and slowly realized that like America doesn't work that way. <laughs> I came to the U.S. when I was eleven. So um, from that point on, I I've started developing relationships, sp- speaking to people, understanding what's going on. Like information is incredibly powerful. Um, and and I think any LP that's investing actively should try to seek it out. Um. Certainly not a, at any price, uh, but I think directionally speaking, I think people undervalue information um when investing and, and they sort of like trust themselves too much. This is um this is sort of like a, a statement across, you know, hundreds of people that I've spoken to and and the outcomes of those conversations. Um, and it, there's certainly exceptions. I'm just saying, um there's sort of like this almost like a psychological aspect to not asking someone for their thoughts because like, I I don't need someone's help. Um, But then sometimes like I hear stories of people losing millions of dollars and it's like, at that point they call me and they're like, I wish I knew you years ago Um, or or someone like you. I'm not saying, you know, I'm the the, the know-it-all like go talk to someone else, you know, as long as they're not biased to tell, you know, Sometimes they'll, sometimes they'll go some ask someone else, but that someone else is incentivized to tell them something good about that GP or whatever. So you always have to keep you know incentives in mind um, and try to seek out relationships um, wherever you are. That that's been super important to me.
1: That goes right into my last question: uh, just how you like to give back.
0: Um, I think mentorship. I uh, I I I spend a lot of time with like college students, um, helping people find jobs. Um, probably spend more time than necessary on Twitter, re- responding to people's questions and whatever. Um. Yeah, yeah, I I think it's super important and and just fulfilling too. It's like it's really nice to be able to give someone what you learned after ten years, you know. For yeah. for example, I recently um, I recently tweeted like, "How old were you?" when you realize that um, any high paying job requires like a fairly strong, it's something like this, like fairly strong sales skill set, right? Like I graduated college with the mentality of like sales. That's like for marketing people. Like I'm like a nerdy guy. Like I want to be in the Excel model. And, And then you realize like you go to a bank and then you get, you get promoted. And then 10 years later, you realize, Oh shoot. Like the guy way at the top is like, doing sales <laughs> you know um and and that's essentially true in like i think 80 percent of cases right so like sometimes um i speak to like you know people in college and i just try to accelerate their learning curve based on what took me way too long to understand
1: <laughs> yeah that's incredible that's uh that's very wise uh, to think about or to help others uh, and I uh, mean I think I wish I had known those things 20 years ago right Yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <same here. laughs> no no doubt about it well like i said, grateful again for your time and and you've shared a lot and helped our investors and and all the LPs and I think GPs as well in a big way that are listening to this segment today and thinking through and that that call that you may get unfortunately you know if you do get it that capital call Uh, Some things you need to think through uh, and questions and even to step back and just breathe a minute and and think through these questions that Alexa uh, showed us today. Uh, Again, uh, he advises many passive investors. I encourage you to go look at his uh, at his blogs and very informative, uh, to say the least. Again, we're not endorsing each other by having him on the podcast, uh, but I'm grateful for the connection, Alexa, and to get to know you. Uh, But again, so the listeners can know, know where can they learn more about you? Where can they find you?
0: Yeah um google, google my name um uh, or just go directly to lplessons.substack.com and I, I write there twice a week and you know get involved and comment and and ask questions
1: Thank you for being with us again today i hope that you have learned a lot from the show don't forget to like and subscribe I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today.